Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, and Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business a success. Today with me is Marvin Felder, co-founder of Calenso, a leading online schedule and solution for efficient appointment processes. They're a bootstrap company from Switzerland that has successfully scaled across Europe to over 100,000 users, which is super impressive. And I can't wait to learn how you guys did it. So welcome, Marvin. Thank you. All Very right. Happy to be here. Well, great. I'm glad to have you here. I know that uh, you attended one of our founder events in Hamburg. And uh, from what I've heard, it was a blast. So hope to see you again at our next event. And uh, for now, I would really love to get to know what Colenso does and how you built it, because it's such a saturated market, right? You've got Calendly, you've got You Can Book Me, there is a good old, when are you next available? Uh, so how did you come up with the idea in the first place? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <clears throat> but first to the events, uh, like we were uh, at the event in Hamburg, yes. Also last week, there was like a really cool small event. Also event oh, uh, yes, you were there too. This is uh, like the hiking event in uh, the southern of Germany, which was from me, <clears throat> I was the closest from Switzerland. All the other people came from London, from Berlin. I just drove 1.5 hours. So. <laughs> It was really cool. And it's always really, really uh, cool to meet other founders, like SaaS founders, bootstrap or non-bootstrap. Just interesting to have this exchange because in your bubble, you just have your friends and maybe people from other industries. But in Switzerland, you don't find that many SaaS founders. So it's really cool that like you guys from SaaS Group connect all the founders across Europe. So. Oh, thank uh, you for saying I, I that. You know, we, we have another attend. event. <laughs> we have another event in September. It's going to be in Barcelona. So, you know, if it's not a long drive, <laughs> come there too. We'll do it. We'll try to manage. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. And so if we go back to the question about why do we do scheduling or something like this, it's like we started also very early. Like we started back in 2013 when also Calendly started, actually, if you compare the stories, we started at the same year, which is quite funny. <laughs> they they scaled much more than us, we have to say. Uh, but we started in the same year. For us, it was just a, a small tool we built while studying. So it was really not big business for us. We just did it like uh, we had three co-founders and we built it uh, besides our school. So. We never focused on that. That's why maybe we are not that big as Calendly, if we if you look back at the moment. Um, <clears throat> but then when we started, we had kind of the same vision, but we had the vision not for consultants. We had the vision to bring it to the small business, like barbershops, physiotherapists, uh, and things like this. Um, but we started in Switzerland, and this was too early. so. 2013 to 2016, it was really hard to sell something like this. So it was more like you go there, you try to sell it, or even you try to bring it for free. And they say, no, I have my Excel or I have my paper agenda. I don't want to do something with internet or, or some like SaaS application. This term was not even there at, at this moment. So um, when we started, this was really hard. So from the story, we built this product and we were studying. We were also working at other jobs. So this was a side project and it didn't take off that good. So in 2016, we decided as, as like co-founders of this product um, to build an agency. So our story was we built a consulting agency, which was like we did innovation consulting for bigger companies. And we had this side project, which was Calenzo. It was called Bookify then, um, but it was rebranded to Calenzo later. Uh, so it was always a core part of our business, but it was just a side business. And from there okay. on, it, it took off. So that's maybe also something about the bootstrapping thing. In the beginning, we bootstrapped it 
together with like doing consulting, helping big business um, in different areas of digitization. Um, but it always was around appointment scheduling because we had this tool. So we get really big consulting projects around scheduling. That's why we <clears throat> had the money to grow the product on, on different levels. Like it was always like PLG and SLG combined, not only a PLG focused, for example. Okay, so you used your your tool for, for your own business and uh, you had an opportunity to learn from the big companies and from those projects and get the money to take it further. Yes, so it was like we built the product for the small business, but it was hard to sell at this time in Switzerland. Maybe in the US it was easier because they were ahead of it. So Calendly could really sell it to small business. And we, we did, know, did not know from Calendly at this time. So... But for us, it was really hard to sell to the small business. So it was like by coincidence, we had we built this agency to get some money to, to do interesting projects because we also loved to do this. So we worked first with the bigger companies. And we had like okay. two ways. We have like, we still have the plans for enterprise and we have the plans for small business. You can use it as a one-time or like, one people business or, or five people business uh, and you can have like an enterprise license of Calenzo but we were coming more from the enterprise field back to the, the small business because it was our approach we learned a lot from our clients we did big projects with our clients and had always the SaaS tool uh, we used the same platform for all the all the companies we support like from insurance okay. companies big insurance to to uh, financial industry or, or government. So it's the same platform. It's easy to develop and, and, and add more features for us. Uh, so this was really a, a good thing in, in terms of scale. Okay, all right, that makes sense. And it's uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that at first it didn't have the same name. And uh, like just an hour ago, I had another episode uh, that we showed with another founder. And he was talking about the fact that uh, the name of the company that the brand um, name, he, he wasn't very um, satisfied with it because at the end he realized like how difficult it was to, to promote and the SEO was very difficult, but he still stuck with it uh, because year after year people started using it and he started scaling and now it's just, it doesn't make sense to rebrand anymore because it just will take so much effort and resources. But in your case, uh, you guys went the other way and you you decided to rebrand. Uh, why did you do it and uh, how did it go for you? Uh, it was the two reasons why we did it. There was one company in UK, they called themselves Bookify App, so very similar. They came new. So we were first, but we were very young and we, okay. we didn't know what to do. We talked some, to some advocates and they said, mm, you can try to reach them, but it's quite hard uh, to win for you. And we also did not have like the com domain. We had a lot of Bookify domains and Bookify for us was actually a good name because it comes from booking and everything is with Ify. <laughs> so it was a good name for us, but we didn't have the com domain. We couldn't buy, we could buy it, but it was like around $30,000 or something to buy this domain. And this was not something we would do. Um, so we thought about, we maybe have to rebrand. And also there was one point we had in the process of our development, we rebuilt a lot of things in the platform. So new design, we were in the process of migrating it from very basic to a more advanced tech stack. So tech stack to Angular before it was a lot of PHP templates like it was in the early days. So we thought it, it's a good thing in 2017 to do a rebrand for the company, for the culture, for everything. And before we didn't have that many clients, so we thought it's doable. And then it was quite hard to think about how to find a name because we want to have like the com domain for free. I mean, we don't want to pay that much for a com domain. And we want to have something like if you type it in Google, there's not 20 things that it's also named like this. 
it was a long process always when we were driving in trains we were like thinking about names there was not tools like chat gpt where you can ask for names back in the days which just like brainstorming and like my co-founder michael who's the like the head of the designs and and, and the very creative one uh, he basically came up with the name we had a lot of things with calendar so from this came calendar software means very basic calendar uh, and there was a com okay. domain it was free so it was like you type it in google there was nothing it was just Calenzo as a name in Italy, like Enzo Calenzo. Calenzo is really is a is a name in Italy, but that was that was it, like three domains or something. It was it was like that's it. <laughs> and then we need some days or weeks to think about is it a good name? Because in the beginning, a new name is always like no, it's not good. Uh, but it turned out uh, quite well, so I think it for us it was a good thing. Okay, perfect. And uh, uh, it, it's good that you mentioned ChatGPT. We actually uh, tried to use ChatGPT when we were coming up with the name for the podcast. And eventually we didn't like anything that it suggested. And good old brainstorming actually helped us uh, choose the name for the podcast. So it's not uh, it's not always working. Uh, how did your customers take it? I think it was, it was we did the, like a big bang. So... We did some preparation for sure. We, we sent them messages and talked to them um, that we will doing a big release and also a new name. And I don't remember that well, but I think there was some confusing moments in January because in January we did the, like the switch from a new year, new name, new product. Um, but as far as I remember, it's it was accepted by them because they got a better product with a new name. So it was like, oh, let's do this. And then there is always some time that needs to go, go by. And then it's, no one will remember the old name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but you do, it's like you renamed your child. So, um, yes, yes. <laughs> also the, the name, I think in, in like Bookify was not easy to pronounce for the Swiss or German speaking. So the new was also more easy to pronounce for them. So I think we didn't focus on that one, but in the end we saw for them it's better. Looks like they, yeah. they can pronounce it correctly. <laughs> okay, so what it was a win-win situation. All right. Okay, so <clears throat> and like I mentioned at the beginning um, in the description, you guys scaled across Europe, right? So are you focused on European market or you still have some big customers in the US or you're targeting them somehow? Mm, at the moment, we don't have that many customers in the US. We're thinking about should we move there? But at the moment, we were like, mm, we don't know the market. We know it's big, but I think there is also a lot of competitors we maybe don't know yet in this more flexible and complex space than currently. We have to think about that one maybe. So at the moment we focus on Dach region mostly, and we have some regions like Scandinavia and Benelux where we focus also in on Europe. So for example, Spain, Italy, and these countries, we do not focus that much at the moment because we are too small team. So basically we scaled through our enterprise clients first, which means we have big clients and they have offices in all over Europe, also in Poland and Spain. So with them, we go there and this is our first tryouts in these markets, also with the language and with the processes. So they help us a bit integrating it into a market because they have some branch offices and then they use it. And from there, we try to scale as well. Um, but as we are a small team and there is <clears throat> sometimes some customer success needed to scale the software, so based on that, we really try to focus only there where we really have a good fit at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Let's talk about the team. As far as I remember, you're eight people, right? Three co-founders. And then, uh, what's the rest of the team? What are you focusing on? Is it customer success, uh, customer support, maybe development marketing? Uh, what's your, uh, biggest hiring volume? Hmm. 
<clears throat> at the moment it's very splitted, but we are, we have been in the last years very product fa- product focused. So very strong development team. So we are around more than 10 at the moment with, with the development team. So it's a big development team and product with customer success. Marketing is not only like 1.5 people uh, that's creating content. And what is our biggest hiring ball now is like sales. We want to, to scale it more from the sales side because we did a lot of development. Our product is maybe a bit more complex than Calendly because it has so many features or so many configuration options that is also needed for the more complex scenarios we do with, with our clients. Uh, but in the end, our problem at the moment is that from this step on, we need to scale by creating also sales teams. Maybe then we can scale more because product is good. Uh, there is a good base, a solid base. Uh, so it was, if I look back, a learning is, I think, we invested too many hours or too much of energy in the product development that is never done. Always there is clients that want some changes. Um, and we didn't invest, like we invested just a small amount in sales and marketing, which like companies that are from founders that maybe do not have a tech background, but maybe a, a marketing or like a, a business background that would say it's really stupid to do this. It was also a bit of a learning maybe. Right, but uh, you've obviously done something right. I mean, you've got over 100,000 users. So a lot of people are using Calenso. And so far, uh, what has been your customer acquisition channel then? If you're know, if you not very uh, deep into the sales. Mm, I think it's other customers that are our channel and the website itself. So the website is like the sales machine because it's quite old. So the website is, was was rebuilt several times, but the URL and the content is there since many years, which means uh, in Google and in the rankings, we are quite good compared to new products, even though we have maybe less traffic or I don't know, we have quite good amount of traffic, but I think because it's old, which means for Google, it's it's solid, it's, it's used by a lot of people. So, most of the leads came through the website in an organic way. Okay. We also buy the traffic from, from Google ads or LinkedIn ads, but a lot is really uh, traffic from like organic traffic from search because what I experienced, like there is a lot of scheduling tools and there's also a lot of good scheduling tools, but people always look for a better one. Like we got a lot of um, people also from Calendly or from Microsoft. Microsoft bookings, they start maybe with Calendly with a one easy use case, and they then they want to customize it uh, in, in, a, in a more flexible way. And then they play around with Calendly, they don't help them, it will not work. And then they Google for scheduling solution again. And so they end up in our space after maybe one or two years using Calendly, for example. So I think there is a still a big demand of these tools. It has been growing a lot in the last years because also Calendly was a door opener for a lot of businesses because they thought, so, okay, it's really cool to have a scheduling tool. It helps that much in terms of efficiency and it also brings a lot of more revenue. So they just had this tool, but they never optimized it. And then after some points, they really see we could optimize it more. And then they have some boundaries they cannot Accomplish also, for example, if you want to scale a team in Calendly. For example, you have a Calendly account, like two, one or two people, three people, and now you want to scale it to 50 people, 50 sales agents. What I hear from like HR companies that come to us, it's like they need hours of configuration. It's not really possible to configure a bigger sales team inside of a Calendly account. And in Calenzo, it's vice versa. It's quite hard to configure for one person. <laughs> I would say it's harder than for Calendly. But if you have 50 agents, for example, you just upload your Excel and in two hours, you're ready to go with a, a bigger organization with multiple branch offices and maybe postcode search. 
so then the scaling is easier with our tool. So that was maybe also our, our learning. First, we wanted to do for the smaller ones as well. We have it, but for some, it's too complex compared to other tools like Calendly. Okay, so you guys niche down to to enterprises. We call like a lot of people call in the market of software. They call enterprise from thousand or two thousand agents only, like really big corporates. Yeah. For us, it's more like if you have fifty people or more. For us, this is okay. an enterprise use case because fifty people in sales or, or fifty agents or, or fifty people in, in support, and they also need to schedule meetings. It's also it's already complex. You want to have analytics. You you need to have a good steering on that one because it's fifty people. It's not even for for Swiss for Switzerland. Fifty people is a really big company. But oh, for yes. German, if you, if you call to uh, talk to German uh, companies, they say fifty people is a really small company. So, but still, from there on, there's questions about enterprise things like single sign-on or uh, like encrypted data. And all these things about around this GDPR is also it's getting high notice from the bigger companies. But as I said, 50 people is already big for us. Other people would say it's small. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. So what do you do with this? Um with these requirements or with these suggestions from the bigger companies to uh, to become more security compliant. Um, are you working towards that because you understand that, you know, the bigger the company, the more security they would require? We invest a lot in security. Um, the good thing is like one of our co-founders was working as a security specialist at the big bank in Switzerland for many years. So he knows he's now the CTO and he knows a lot about security and penetration testing. So he brings the, the knowledge into the company. And yeah, we, we cannot go under the radar anymore because it's if you talk to bigger companies, pharmaceutical or financial or insurance, they're really strict. They want to see all the results. They want to see the certifications. We don't have that many certifications on the software level at the moment, but we go with the, the things on, on the hosting side. So we work with the with the Swiss certified hosters. And on the platform itself, we invest in the security on the firewall side, and we invest in the security of encryption of data, which is really important. Uh, I think we are one of the only ones that really do it or advertise that we secure the, the data on record level, which means customer data and appointment data. So I, I think that is, a really big thing and also a lot of clients ask for penetration testing now so they say we will buy your solution but you have to do penetration one penetration testing in on security uh, and, and other parts once a year we always were like ah we don't want to do it and last year we did it the first time because there was too much pressure from different clients uh, and we did it and it was a really good thing because now we have like this it's not a certification, but you can really say we have these reports from external audit companies that test the platform on different levels. And I think it's a, it's a good thing to have it and uh, to, to show it to client in a, in a, in a sales stage to, to, yeah. to make sure no, absolutely. You, you were never safe, but uh, it, it's tested. Yeah. 
Right. No, absolutely. I think it's an important thing and you don't mess with with security compliances, especially if you're serving bigger companies. We were just talking about uh, this with the founder of Sprinto. I don't know if uh, you're familiar with it. It's a security compliance automation tool. And uh, that's exactly what he said. Like if you're in B2C or like you're serving really small sizes, then yeah, you can probably live without it for a while. But then once you grow bigger and you've got bigger customers, then it really depends on their size and like what they uh, require from you. So yeah, they awesome. will say what you need to bring, otherwise they will not buy you. So it's, it's that yeah. easy. You have to bring all these, these questionnaires, which is some big Excel sheets sometimes, because at the moment we don't have this tool that you can automate it. We still have a lot of manual work for, for this. Okay, then uh, maybe there is Sprinto for you. I can... <laughs> if it's also cheap, it's just, yeah. Sure. Okay. Awesome. So making connections right here on SaaS Inbound. Uh, okay. And um, since, uh, you know, since we started talking about uh, the big customers and what they could require from a SaaS solution, uh, how do you balance? Uh, because also you just mentioned that you're building new features and you've invested a lot of time, a lot of resources into building features and uh, building a product that uh, these customers want. So how to make sure or how do you make sure that uh, you have this core vision of the product uh, that's, uh, you know, maybe three years, five years, um, how Colenso will look like. But then you have the customers that want the security, want specific features, want another industry. I don't know, maybe want AI now. So how do you make sure you balance these uh, these two aspects? Yeah, this is a really hard thing because every customer is like screaming, they want that, they want that. So uh, in earlier days and years, we also were a bit too driven by customers. We were always really driven by customers because they bring the revenue, they brought like setup fees, development fees and the license. So we're really driven by the customers, the bigger customers. Uh, so. At some parts in the application, you also see maybe we shouldn't have implemented that one because it's just, just for a small amount of clients and it will bring problems to other ones on the same platform. So that was definitely also mistakes we did. Um, so it, it's, it was getting better because we learned a lot. We talked to a lot of clients and we have a platform that we is really modular so you can build features uh, and they don't interfere with other things. Uh, but still, there is always big discussions about this in the whole product team here at Calenzo, because then there is product side, there is sales side, and there is development side, and yeah. they have different different visions on how they look on the product. And this is also the hard thing, because sometimes you have to really say no, because if you only follow the money, means the sales side, yeah, we can have this client if we do that and this. You can destroy your vision and you can destroy your uh, your focus clients. And then you have maybe one client that will fuck up the whole system just because it's not in your target group. That's also why we decided last year to focus more on specific industries and some others, We they can use it in a in a small way if they want. But we don't target them directly and maybe there is some requests from them we cannot serve, we do not want to serve. But in the early days we were we want to serve everyone that is was like wanted to use a scheduling tool for some sort of consulting. But this can be very different. It can be very same but also very different. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so at the early stages, you just you were just trying to satisfy everybody to to drive some kind of revenue and get the validation, and then once you scale, you kind of come down a little bit and uh, have a say in this um, in this decision making process. All right, so how to uh, how to um, measure the feature satisfaction or the need for the feature, and how to align the teams that you know. This is a yes, but this is a definite no. Mm. We talk a lot to clients, like face-to-face -face in calls with 
the important clients, but also we have like a platform. It's called Feedbear for feedbacks. So we have a, like a, a roadmap that is publicly available and people can up and down vote. So there is a mix between the community approach of the features with the bigger clients that maybe also pay for a feature. So there is always a bit of a mixture because if some clients pay for like special analytics report, that will help for all. This will be maybe more prioritized because we're boosted up. Then some features a lot of people want, but nobody wants to pay more for it and they're still using it. So there is always, we try to mix it in a good balance that because we do uh, like short sprints. So every two weeks, there is new features or bug fixes that we release on the platform. So it's quite fast in the development cycles compared to other companies. Uh, so we really try to mix it, focus on performance issues, for focus on small features that are really important, and then focus on uh, like bigger features that are maybe from some clients. We try to organize it. Sometimes it's really hard to, because everyone is important and everyone wants to do it, needs to do it, needs to have it tomorrow or yesterday. So. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, you, you, it's, it makes sense. I mean, wanting to, to like please everybody and make everybody happy with the product. I think it's a very natural drive, but uh, yeah, there is also people who are behind this and have to build it at the end. So, okay. Um, another question that, that I wanted to ask uh, is about your sales cycle, because for a lot of SaaS products, uh, the, the need for a product comes um, at a certain point, right? And you kind of have to be there at that point to catch it. And so the sales cycle is a bit longer. But for you guys, as far as I understand, like if you're working with consultants or um, the industries or companies where appointments is something that they do regularly, I would assume that um, it's, it's not that long. You just have to be, again, uh, there when they need it right but you have to be there from the beginning or then you have to be the product that will substitute something that they're not very comfortable with like you said like currently is very difficult to to integrate in the bigger teams so how is your uh sales cycle working and what do you do to um shorten it well, basically it can also be long if you talk to bigger companies it will always be long so that is Two things. One is um, we try to integrate into processes that are still manually. That is the first thing we do. So a lot of our clients have a phone where they receive uh, like appointment requests or a contact form on the website, as we all know, or like email ping pong. But still for a lot of like leads, this is still the way to go and they're quite happy with it. So they don't know that there is a there is a possibility to speed it up to make it such more fluently. Only the people that already have been using Calendly or, or something similar, they know how easy it could be. So we also target a lot of these. They have a point. They know they have appointments, but they have two less appointments. So um, you have to be there at the right point if they ask themselves they want to do something around appointments, or you have to show them a way how they can improve their processes. So there is also a lot of education around still. We, we maybe we are in our bubble. We think there is no education. Everyone knows about this. No, there is still a lot of oh, education yeah. about what you can do about that. And to shorten the sales cycles, we have actually learned a lot about how we can do it. But only the last few months we have integrated it and it's, it's, it's getting much better for our sales teams. Before it was also like, why is it not having priority? So we know these companies have a lot of priorities in their like marketing or sales team. And it's not appointment scheduling, it's not their first priority. So how can we make sure we are getting more prioritized than something else? And there is something we found out, actually I learned this from, from another um, from other SaaS founders also like at the artist summit last year, which was uh, uh, like this conference in Berlin where we met also a lot of SaaS founders and it was really interesting. So they said, just ask your clients for some KPIs in the first meeting, like in the discovery call, just ask 
them for their KPIs. For example, we just need to know how many appointments like one agent does in this industry, which means, for example, insurance, they need okay, one consultant in insurance will have around 50 appointments in a month. He needs to do that because then he will make his revenue out of his appointments. For sure, he will also have the appointments scheduled now. So it was already there. So how we could just improve this. So we have these KPIs. One is the how many appointments he needs to have or he will have. And also the other metric like website traffic. And based on these metrics, we can just calculate them like what more revenue they can create and what like costs they can they can cut off because it's optimized. Like it's not with email, vice versa, or with contact form. So we just ask them in discovery call or, or in the discovery, what is your KPIs? Or we will say them their KPIs because they don't know. <laughs> uh, this is also something you have to give them the analytics from Calendly. So if we have these KPIs from them, we can really show them what they lose if they don't use our tool. So this is getting okay. uh, really good. So it's basically return on the interest, like return on investment calculation, a very basic one, but they are not aware of it, what they lose or what they could win. And with these numbers, it's they think, oh, I need to do this now, which means it will prioritize it more in the company. It does not always work, but it's it helped a lot. It helped better than asking, do you want to improve your processes? And then it's like, yes, yeah. but I don't know how. I don't know the numbers. If you know the numbers, you really want to do something on the numbers. Okay, so you're creating the FOMO, but you're also kind of strengthening this with the actual numbers, the actual analytics that they can uh, they can understand and they can speak to. Okay, I think that's a great strategy. Awesome. Uh, what else? So you started talking about the fact that uh, Kalenzo's website has been around for a while. So Google really likes it. Your your SEO score is great. Uh, what else are you doing in the space? Like, is SEO something uh, that you're heavily invested in? Uh, is it again something that educates your customers, gets new users, or you're happy with the word of mouth and uh, Google Ads? Uh, we didn't. We have we had these plugins for SEO the last years, and we optimized from the marketing side a bit. So there was not that much of investment. This year it was the first time we invested now a lot of money in SEO. We started this with an agency together, optimizing the whole structure and the backlinking. So I see maybe thirty percent of more traffic since these uh, things we did. So in one year I can say more about that one if it it will really work if it's just short time or it will be a long run improvement. But before we didn't invest, we, we thought we don't need to do this. And there were some people uh, convinced us to do it. And now we, we tried it and we are in the, pro, in the progress at the moment. So with the, with the agency that helps us doing this. Okay, so we'll have to come back helps. next year with another episode to talk about your SEO. <laughs> okay. All right, that makes sense. Okay, uh, then just a couple more questions. Um, the first one, my favorite, uh, what's so far been the biggest win and the biggest failure for maybe for you as a founder, because we also want to like know how you feel in this journey uh, or for Calenso as a business? Um, I would say the biggest wins is the corporate clients we got in the early days, which serve as a lighthouse, like the lighthouse clients we can show to other ones, to smaller ones, to bigger ones. So it was like the biggest success to get some big corporates working with us. This helps a lot for the word of mouth, like the trust. Uh, and another thing is this return on invest calculation I just shared. This was a recent learning, but it was mind blowing for me and the sales uh, team because we we're never sure what is the real value of our tool. We know it, but we couldn't uh, have it in the numbers. So this was really a game changer also for our standing. If you're talking about pricing or you do about negotiation, you know the numbers and you can show it and then it's, it's much easier to have a standing. And 
if we look at the challenges or like the failures uh, as a founder itself, I think it's always you feel a lot alone. It's not it's not a failure, but it's like a challenge because no one knows better. If you have, we had these SaaS events since one year now with the artist, with SaaS group, but before we were always alone. Like we were the founders, but as founders, we just know what the other founder knows and we work for years. So it's a very closed group. So you feel so alone in a lot of decisions, a lot of times so you, you don't know if it's right or wrong, you just have to do it, but you're not sure. So it was like a, a challenge, I would say. And about the failures, it's a lot about pricing, I would say. We had so many different pricing models. And the biggest failure was we thought we will implement 100 bookings for free and then you have to pay, which means we will integrate it. And if you had 100 bookings, you will buy the product for sure. That was our idea. That is maybe true, but small companies can work for 100 bookings. They can use your tool for free for two years or more because maybe they have just 10 appointments in a month or in, in a year. So they can use your tool for free. And basically it's a good idea for a freemium model. But for us, it was using too many resources on the platform and too many resources in the customer success. Like these people that just want to have it free and don't want to pay for the tool. And for us, it was always like, we, we don't want to, to have the free clients because the free clients are the ones that scream aloud, but do not want to pay anything. So they give no commitment. If one color or one button changes, they will change to another tool. They don't care about if they need 10 hours to change the whole product. They will not invest some euros, some dollars to have the tool to just want to have it free because they think their time is for free. So we always say we don't want to have this. Uh, we want people that really want to invest in the tool together with us. They use it, they are happy, we are happy. We want to have some money for, for the tool we provide. Other than maybe if you're venture-backed and you say, okay, it's paid, like the growth is paid by the investors and at one point we sell it or something. Because we had like the revenue growth based, uh, yeah, the growth based on revenue. So we did not care that much about free clients. Freemium is okay, so like a free version with very small amount, and then you have to change to the to a paid subscription. But this didn't work out because the free clients stay free and they they just need too many resources. So this, like I would say, failure is a lot around pricing because pricing is a hard topic in in the whole SaaS industry. How do you find a good For sure. pricing pricing product market fit kind of this? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's interesting. I think it's it's not the first time that I hear that. And it's mostly about uh, whether we put the price on the product too low or too late, or just, uh, you know, offered something with a ton of value for free. Uh, and, and then people got disappointed when, you know, when it was taken away. Uh, okay. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, all right. So, um, what about your your plan for Clenso? Do you see it um, a dependable software that you're going to run for another 10, 15 years? Or is there an exit plan in your strategy? We don't have like a, a fixed exit plan or something in our strategy. We know that we want to grow the platform uh, like for appointment scheduling and communication. That's where we want to move, like like more to customer experience platform. We also connect with Google Meet, with Teams, with Unblue, like co-browsing. We connect with a lot of tools also in this segment of customer engagement. But we definitely see that it makes sense to connect to CRM systems. Because in the end, Calenzo is like a tool. You can configure different widgets for different use cases and you bring fast value to websites and other like web channels. In the end, all the data you move into systems like CRM and ERP in the end. So 
as we saw also in HubSpot, like HubSpot is like one of the leading CRM platforms and they have their scheduling tool inside of HubSpot, which makes sense, definitely. It's also a basic one, but it's a lot, like it's, it's enough for a lot of sales agents. So we look for partners we can work with together in the CRM space, which for us makes a lot of sense. And also for them, because CRM players can enhance their like solution. So we really look for partners where we connect there more like can be exit can be uh, like strategic partnerships that we already do. We also have uh, integrations in Salesforce, for example, as normal app, like a native app integration. But in the future, we really look into more close partnership at this level because it okay. can bring uh, more more value for for like for us and the CRM provider, and we can sell faster together. Then, like it's always easier to sell as a bundle than selling different tool sets, and that is also okay. a bit of a challenge. We are like one tool set that you can use standalone, but you can also use in a suite. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's very interesting. It's uh, it's not often that that I hear about looking for a partner. It's it's whether you know an exit and ca a cash out because there is another plan or another idea uh, in place already or something else. But uh, this is this is a bit new for for the podcast. But um, <laughs> it's, okay, we have a different a special story because we start as an agency, right? So we had this Calenzo as a product. And we also had another venture. We still have it in the team, but we split the teams. So last year, when we kind of merged the agency, we split Calenzo as a company and we split the other venture as a company and we wiped out the agency or the way the agency took over the other venture. So in our whole team, it's like two teams, two companies in one office. So we always shared a bit of the knowledge and we also work on the other ventures sometimes if we have fun on it. And earlier days when we were growing, Calenzo Revenues also invested in the other venture, which is like a medtech product. And this medtech product needed a lot of money in the growth phase. So Calenzo money was invested in, like from the cash flow was invested in this Calopad, in the uh, medtech device. And now, we have it independently. So we have this vision of working on the SaaS product, but still we also have like this, this idea of participating and, and, and bringing value in the other startup we currently like have in our founders team. So we're, these three co-founders have basically two companies, two babies, and we have to split. So I'm 100% on the Calenzo side and the co-founder, uh, Michael, he's 100% on the Calopad side. Uh, but we still do a lot of exchange and, and work together. So that's why we have this a bit of special like uh, situation, which is sometimes bad because you don't know where to focus, but now we have, we, we found a, a good way uh, to do it. But for three days, uh, uh, three years ago, it was hard where we should put which time and, and where we should focus on because it was very mixed. Right, and in a small team, I can imagine it's uh, it's even harder. Okay, yes. <laughs> uh, so just uh, one more question, and uh, this is a hack, uh, a hack that you can share maybe, uh, can be about anything uh, that helps you drive Calenzo forward. So can be uh, something that's maybe unconventional, you know, nobody else is using it, or uh, maybe somebody else thinks that it's it wouldn't work for SaaS, but something that uh, you really like and you implement in your operational process and uh, that helps you. Mm, that's a really good question about this hack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we, we try a lot of things. Uh, we try a lot of, in terms of sales, for example, we just try a lot of things. So we try to use inconvenient ways to get data about market, for example. So we try to use LinkedIn, we try to use whatever sources are available, but we also use tools like Build With, 
builtwith.com, for example, to find out which websites are getting rebuilt with other technologies, which websites are having maybe Calendly or other tools already integrated. So there is like so platforms that will share this data, like these Chrome plugins and, and things like this. So we try to have these inconvenient ways to get data about the market because we don't have a really big sales team that has time to go through all this data. So we try to use like other, like more IT focused tool sets to, to get, to get this work done. But I'm not sure if this okay. is. Okay. So like, like scraping so, solutions. Yeah. Scraping solutions and, and things like this, uh, that is publicly available or developed on our site. And okay. the other way is it's not a hack, but I, I think most of the bootstrap companies does it like the combination between SLG and PLG. Uh, I mean, if PLG works 100%, it's fine. There is a lot of companies that really can do it on a bootstrap level. But if you are a bit more complex, like our solution, you kind of need this, this both ways. You have, you have to mix it in order to grow without the external money. But I think a lot of people or a lot of bootstrap SaaS are doing this in this way because it's the, the most convenient way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you, Marvin. I think it's a great story. Uh, we've never had a Swiss founder on the podcast so far. Uh, so yeah, you not that many. First, <laughs> you, you all know each other. <laughs> You're basically all in all one building. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have you here. Thank you for the story. Thank you for the hacks. Uh, I think that's, that's something that not everybody uses for sure. Uh, and it's pretty scrappy. And uh, again, that talks a lot about the whole mindset behind uh, the bootstrapped strategy. Uh, so again, thank you so much. I cannot wait uh, in two years maybe to talk with you about your SEO and how you've grown and who's that magical partner that you found. We are looking forward, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good luck with that and take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.